Welcome to episode one of Leading Through Change, presented by Townsend Energy. On this episode, we'll be talking with two friends of mine who are third generation dairy farmers. Nelson Farms was started in 1963 in Eagle Point, Vermont. Douglas Nelson started out milking 13 cows in a small tie stall barn. Over the next few decades, Nelson Farms expanded to milking 2,500 cows spanning over 10,000 acres of land. The operation spreads over three milking facilities with a total of seven different locations. Nelson Farms utilizes modern day technology to make high quality milk as efficiently as possible. This is done by the use of artificial insemination, a movement sensitive collar system, as well as a feed delivery monitoring system. The farm is now a third generation farm with Doug's children and grandchildren working on the farm. Over the years, the business has diversified. Producing milk is still the main mission. However, Nelson Farms is the home to 100 elk, 200 buffalo, and 30 Angus beef cows. Dale Nelson is a part of the third generation of Nelson Farms. He moved to Florida after high school to obtain a bachelor's degree in film and master's degree in entertainment business. He moved back to Vermont in 2016 and has been working on the farm ever since. Dale operates and manages one of the main farms in Derby, Vermont. Dale is a part-time videographer and uses his skills with his camera and drone to create content for the farm. Quinn Nelson is also part of the third generation of Nelson farmers. Born in 1997, Quinn started working on the farm at a very young age. He is a true outdoorsman and an avid waterfowl hunter. Quinn earned an associate's degree in dairy farm management as well as small business management and a bachelor's degree in diversified agriculture. Quinn works with cows most days doing vet work, breeding, and herd management. Quinn also does a majority of the mechanic work on the heavy equipment as well as welding around the farms. So Dale and Quinn, the uh, the farming industry has undergone many changes over the years. What have been your biggest challenges keeping your family farming business operating? You know, with a business like ours, it's been it's been around since the 1960s. Um, the the dairy industry is constantly changing, um, but we have some employees that have been with us for a, a long time. So you have some people that have been with the business from the start. So these are the type of people that see all the changes happen and bringing in a new generation like me and Quinn, um, the industry has changed so much that what worked 20 years ago may not work now. So the challenges are is bringing everyone up to speed to the new way of farming. Um, there's always new articles, new studies, um, new information that we can use and taking that information and utilizing it in our business um, is, is probably one of the biggest challenges with uh, everything changing and the price of milk going every which way, um, basically just rolling with the punches and trying to adapt the best we can. Do you have anything else you want to piggyback on that, Quinn? So yeah, what Dale's pointing out there is kind of just the teaching old dogs new tricks thing, because as any industry goes, uh, it's ever-changing, ever-adapting, and uh, it's really, especially for us, the younger guys who recently all converged and got together on this and joined the LLC, we all got done school, we all moved back close to home around the farm, and uh, you know, we're working with guys. I, a lot of our employees, I was riding around in tractors in when I was in diapers. So it's a really odd to transition to that. And I show up or Dale shows up with new information and new, new ideas. So really management is a big one. Um, on top of that would just be 
the ever-changing and all the adapting we have to do to adhere to regulations, be it environmental, be it regarding freight, be it animal practice. And like, yeah. again, and then uh, adapting to deal with foreign markets, you know, so dairy farming, when my grandfather started off in the sixties and started our farm, um, it was ultimately selling milk to the communities around the area. You know, it, it wasn't dropping it off in glass bottles, but it was very local and it was very much a necessity for the community and the community was growing. Um, Whereas now foreign markets play a major, a major position in the U.S. market for dairy products. Um, so our economy, what foreign markets are doing, you know, China, New Zealand, there's a lot of places, Mexico even, are, have an ever-growing dairy industry, and that puts pressure on us. So just uh, it's all about efficiency for us. Absolutely. And building off that, you know, I've gotten to know you guys a little bit. Um, you know, quite a bit over the last five, six years. And one thing that's really amazed me is the technology um, you guys have deployed and how that plays such a big role, you know, in your business. Can, can you talk about the importance of technology and how it increases efficiency on the farms? So even in the last decade or so, um, technology has gone from kind of a, almost an experiment in our industry. Uh, I will say dairy farming, along with probably a lot of agriculture, kind of lagged behind industry in the United States in general. But now it's a necessity. Uh, it comes back to efficiency. So we utilize technology in almost every single thing we do. I mean, most half of Dale's day, he's a barn manager inside working with cows and employees all day. And he spends half of his day on a computer. Um, I mean, Dale, you carry on with what you use inside yeah. the barn, but it's everywhere. So we... From when, even when we were kids, I mean, you can, back when uh, my grandfather started the business, like Quinn said, the dairy industry was kind of lacking as far as util utilizing technology. But even since we were kids till now, the changes are, are crazy. So I guess what I can touch on is working with the cows, because that's mainly what I do. And then I can pass it off to Quinn um, with our cropping and heavy equipment. There's uh, a bunch of technology we use with that as well. So as far as the cows go, um, we do everything based on a computer. Um, our cows all wear a collar system that is essentially like a Fitbit. Um, it senses the cows chewing their cud. So when a cow chews their cud, there's a collar, there's a Fitbit on the collar that's right on their neck. And when the cow chews their cud, it moves the collar around as if it's a Fitbit and it detects movement. So we were able to track a cow's rumination. Healthy cows chew their cud. So this allows us, but without even having to go out in the barn, we can identify what cows are sick, what cows need attention. And on top of that, since we do artificial insemination on all of our uh, facilities to detect what cows are in heat and that need to be bred, the collar system can detect when a cow's in heat because when a cow's in heat, she will stop chewing her cud, but she will move around more. So it shows us a graph on our computer system that lets us know what cows are in heat, how long they've been in heat, how much longer they will be in heat. And on top of that, using uh, a different computer system, a different software, we track all of our cows records. So just like when you go to a hospital, the doctor pulls up your file of your last visit, any uh, medications you've been prescribed. We do, we have a computer software that tracks all of that. So we literally are able to track a cow from birth all the way up through her lactations and i can tell you what happened to a cow on this day that day all the way up through where she was moved and when you um buy or sell cattle as long as the person that you're buying the cow from has the same software you're able to transfer the files over so we can purchase new animals 
And as long as the cattle dealer had that software, we are able to get this same information on cows from the farm that they were at before. On top of that, uh, another thing that we utilize a lot that's in the last probably five or six years, um, we really use a lot is cameras. We have camera systems at all of our farms. So we were able to tell when cows run out of feed, um, if anything, if sometimes a cow will knock a gate off and you have to go into the security footage to see who the culprit was. Um, and then one last thing before I pass it off to human management as well. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And one last thing, and I think I'll, Quinn can help pick up on this as well. We have a, uh, system that we use for feeding our cows. It's called tracker. Um, it is a software that we, we have a digital scale that is hooked up to all of our feed wagons. So we have, we build our diets for our cows on a computer system and we upload it to a USB. We take that USB and plug it into our tractor, which is hooked up to our scale that's on the wagon. And so we are able to track all aspects of feeding the cows as far as um, how much different ingredients to put in, adding water, how much was delivered to the cows. So we we're able to build a full-on feeding report um, based on this software. Quinn, do you want to pick up with Tracker? Yeah. So like like what Dale said on Tracker and anything. So just to recap on the technology, basically all we do in a day or all we, we try to do in a day is like we turn, we take soil and we turn soil into milk. So everything in between soil to milk or cheese or butter or any other product, a dairy product, um, everything between soil and milk is recorded. All we do is enter information. And we have these computer programs, uh, like Dale said, SCR, Dairy Comp is our two cow management programs that do nothing but compile information. And eventually you get each an- animal down to an individual. And um, so Dale touched on tracker. That's a great human management, people management tool, as well as cow management. We track refusals uh, just to touch on tracker a little bit more. Refusals is what feed is left over the next day, and we can adjust accordingly. Um, we don't only manage our production and our health based on all of our technology. We also manage our waste. We try to reduce waste of any sort because A, it costs money, and B, with all the pressure we get socially and uh, regulation-wise, any sort of waste whatsoever, is it, it comes back on us pretty hard. Um, additionally, with technology, we uh, utilize software and uh, ultimately as a practice, it's referred to as precision ag. So that's everything outside. So that's all of our planting, all of our everything we do to the dirt, to grow corn, to grow legumes, to grow uh, grass. We use precision ag, which is basically a GPS program. So when we're planting corn, uh, I'll loop back to efficiency again. because That's really what we strive for is efficiency. We have a precision ag software that is down to the inches that actually operates the track you operate the tractor, but it guides you in the tractor so that you are planting every square inch of that field, no more, no less. So uh, that's, that's another big jump we've made. And uh, we want to talk about industry change and stuff like that. That's, that's a huge thing is precision ag. It's SCR, it's dairy comp. It's, it's dry. Everything comes back to efficiency because uh, I, similar to most business and most industries, dairy farming is pretty cutthroat and uh, there's no room for inefficiency anymore. So uh, it continues to drive us surviving ultimately. Um, Also, I mean, we want to talk technology that includes like little things like Dale puts his drone up constantly all summer long. We're monitoring, we have 8,000 acres of land to take care of um, at any given time. So that's a lot of ground to cover and a pickup. And when the crops are up, you can't drive through it. So it's a lot of footwork, but Dale will go up with a drone looking for damage, looking for wet spots, looking for things that we need to investigate further on to intensify the management of certain zones. So 
that's another piece of technology, I guess. And then there's the, all the analytics we do as well. So when we talk, we talk in terms of outdoors and indoors, indoors being all the cow management and the, the employee management, whereas outdoors is everything we do out in the fields. That's from spreading all the way through growing crops and harvesting. Um, we use a lot of analytic tools. So we have forage analysis um, every almost daily during harvest season and then continued out of our bunks constantly because you'll always have changes in uh, nutritional components and dry matters in our feed. We're sending out samples to get a full composition down from the macros down to the micros, every salt, every mineral. Um, we're constantly getting feedback from that and sending out samples to plug into our management software and continue to make decisions to be as efficient as possible. Um, also, that comes back to uh, animal health. So if we have a bacteria or a virus problem inside a farm, we notice a trend of poor health, which is mapped. And we can notice trends as individuals, but the computer flags it before we even know because it will it takes all the information we're putting in daily and compiles it, and it'll let us know that something's off. So we'll send out uh, blood, tissue, fecal samples, and get full analysis on viral or bacterial load. And then we can actually get custom vaccinations or treatments made to address that as swiftly and efficiently as possible. Um, so the technology leaps that have been made in the past two decades in dairy have been doing nothing but accelerating. So uh, I think that's something we're going to continue to pay attention to and have to learn and bend for. And, and I think in, in our industry, we can't control the price of our product the price of milk, we, we, we have to look for the price of milk online. Like you look up the score of a basketball game. So no matter how much work you put in, sometimes it, it doesn't matter when the price of milk is down. So when it comes to being efficient, we have no choice, but to track everything and analyze the data constantly to see where are we losing? Where are we gaining? What are, you know, what can we do better on to, uh, cause there's times where the price of milk dips and you kind of have to tighten up, you know? Dad, quick uh, quick question for you. Did you think dairy farming what, was this complex and technology-centric? Well, no, I was going to say that um, uh, Dale and Quinn, it's fascinating how you're using technology. And, you know, for those of us who are in business but not in the ag business, the farming business, we hear about the survival of the small family farm. And I, I can't imagine that you can survive today without investing in the kind of technology that you guys have invested in, you just talked about. Yeah, um, it's it ultimately isn't an option. Uh, like I said, this all drives efficiency, and efficiency is what we need to survive. So, under like as far as definitions go, we are a family farm. We are relatively small in Vermont. We're rather large because Vermont's always been known for its very small, like small, like yeah. single household families milking 40, 50 cows at a time. Uh, unfortunately and sadly that's the type of thing that's slowly phasing out um i mean it's almost weekly you read in the paper about another farm selling out and uh actually i got to give a lot of a uh, a lot of uh props to my grandfather who saw the writing on the wall early on and uh he continued to expand when given the opportunity knowing that not just for himself but he had a growing family we, we come from a large family what is there 22, 23 cousins now. And uh, a lot of our, that would be our dads, our uncles, our aunts were getting into it. And he knew if he was going to sustain a family farm that anyone in the family who wanted to be involved could be involved and live a comfortable or ideally live a comfortable life off of, um, he would need to expand and adhere to all this change. So that's ultimately what we've done. But 
yeah, um, small farming, family farming. And again, that's us. We're still, we're family farming. It's, uh, it's not industrialized here and not much in the Northeast at all. That's more of a Midwest thing, but, uh, it's, it's getting increasingly difficult. You, you know, Quinn, I, I kind of laughed. You made me feel my age because I do remember getting the glass bottle of milk delivered to our back door. Yeah. Um, I don't go back quite as far, but my dad used to talk about the first one to get the bottle of milk would screw the, the cream off the top. And that was a, that was a big bonus, but um, no, I can't imagine, um, you know, listening to you, how, how you can maintain competitiveness and efficiencies and, uh, profitability without the kind of technology you've invested in. You know, something we've all been impacted by is COVID-19. And um, I, I really wanted to see how your business, how your employees, and I didn't know, frankly, how your uh, animals potentially have been or, or can be impacted by COVID-19. So uh, I guess I, I'll leave that off briefly with, uh, first off, so Coronavirus um, is, as we all know, a, uh, a viral respiratory virus that's actually not new whatsoever. We've been vaccinating for bovine coronavirus for years. Um, obviously, totally different strain, totally different thing. But it is uh, it's something just like many other viruses and bacteria we fight against with the animals. Uh, this strand, COVID-19, um, has no effect whatsoever or so far has not made a leap into any undulate, let alone bovine. So uh, the animals we don't have to worry about, but uh, Dale's had to do a lot more management and a lot of uh, a lot of work with employees just on safety. And uh, like we talked about, we touched on working with these guys that have been around partnering and working for our grandfather for decades now. And uh, how fun is that, Dale, trying to get them to be yeah. safe? We, we, we have guys that, um, like Quinn said, they were uh, driving tractors that we were riding in when we were in diapers. Uh, these are some old school people. Um, so to get them to wear a mask can be a challenge, but as far as, um, you know, adapting to the, the world is forever changed after this coronavirus thing. So we have protocols. Um, we put up, uh, little posters around in the office and in the barn just to, for safety measures. Um, it, as far as affecting the cows and the milk, um, like Quinn said, it doesn't really affect the cows. And then as far as our milk gets shipped out, it goes through a pasteurizer. So as far as that goes, it hasn't really affected us. Uh, I guess the main thing would be the milk market. Um, the whole economy felt it when coronavirus hit last March um, up through the summer and the milk market, I mean, it just, it just tanks. So like we were touching on earlier with efficiency that, I mean, in the last year we have had to kick it into high gear as far as tightening things up, cutting costs, um, you know, if there, there's something you can do an easier way, but it costs more, well, guess what? You're doing it the hard way now. You know, we mm. kind of had to all sit down and agree to roll up our sleeves and tighten up our boots. So, yeah. And uh, if, if there's one positive to gain off the coronavirus thing is uh, we did we did do a lot of cutting. We did a lot of budget cutting. We actually we it, it's terrible, but we've had to even cut down on employee numbers. And uh, what we have learned is we can do it more efficient. Uh, we found that it, at a cost. At a, at a time cost, you know, there's, there's a lot less time to be spent doing things that are fun, but you know, we, we don't do this because we don't do this because it's a lot of money. It's, it's a passion. It's, it's, I mean, I'm not trying to get cheesy on you, but it's in our blood more or less. And it's something uh, we really set a goal for ourselves. So it, it's, it's about making sacrifices and pushing forward and pushing harder, but we did learn that we can. And we, we found in Luckily, if, if, and when this thing comes back around and perhaps the market comes back up in years to come, we, we we will be that much more efficient and more profitable then 
than we were before. So that's one thing to look forward to. And uh, like what Dale touched on with the employees trying to get like social distancing isn't a big deal for us because normally you're not in close quarters with other people. And if you are, it's the same people you see every single day and it, it might as well be a family member. Um, but uh, I guess a big one, when we talk about the economy and the milk market's tanking because of coronavirus, uh, one of the biggest consumers in the United States of dairy products, so that's milk, cheese, butter, but especially uh, fluid milk is schools. I mean, you you all went to school. You remember going to school, getting a little cardboard carton of milk with the majority of the schools shutting down and kids going home and make, like still staying that way. And even colleges for that matter, um, with students doing everything online, elementary schools, like the whole spectrum of uh, education is kind of done out of a living room now, more or less. And uh, yeah. that was a huge hit to fluid milk consumption in this country. And uh, a lot of farms have had to pay for that. Yeah, you, you know, this is a good segue to, I'm gonna throw a question to Brooks, but you talk about the passion you have for a family business and the pride you have in it. And sometimes it's not real sexy. I can tell you the energy business, heating oil, propane, it's not that sexy, but it's not a job for me. It's been my life's work. And you guys probably feel the same way. But, you know, Brooks, um, you've been now in the family business for a few years. You you grew up watching it. Um, you, you know, there's challenges within a family business and there's great opportunity, but there's also frustrations at times. Um, you know, so I toss that to you, maybe some thoughts you have, but also asking Dale and, and Quinn what they've found of those family business dynamics. Yeah, you know, Quinn, to your point, some of the, you know, teaching old dogs new tricks, I've, I've run into that and, you know, still do on a daily basis. When I joined the family business about two and a half years ago, my first project was to deploy, you know, Salesforce, a CRM system um, to the sales team. And, you know, we had some individuals that had been with, um, with my dad and my uncle, you know, pretty much since day one early on at Townsend had been doing things a certain way, you know, pen and paper and trying to get them to understand, you know, the importance of technology, um, you know, kind of growth is optional, but change is inevitable. Getting them to buy in um, was definitely, you know, a challenge. And them also referring, you know, to me back in my days when they, you know, used to see me in a diaper, you know, not, not being able to separate when I was a kid versus, you know, now being an adult and trying to take this business to the next level. You know, early on, those have been some challenges, but, but seeing people who early on, you know, we're very against um, adopting technology, now embrace it and use it to, to thrive probably beyond their beliefs has been um, very rewarding for me. Yeah, I, I, I think that with a generational business, um, the employees seeing you as a kid and, uh, you know, they were working for your father. Now here you are. I think for them, it is hard to separate you at that time to where you are now. Um, and then selling the technology, we deal with that as well. When dairy farming used to be, you just feed the cows and, and you make milk, but there's so much that goes into it now. And with us grandchildren running around, um, putting in, setting in new protocols, it, it can be a hard sell to some of these employees. So that's definitely been a challenge. I think we get better at it every day. Um, I've been working with this, with our family business now for uh, going on two years. Quinn's been here a lot longer than I have. And, um, when I first got here, I, I knew it was a hard sell and I'd go to Quinn like, Hey, how do we get so-and-so to do this? And so I've kind of had to look to Quinn for that just because he's been here longer than me. Um, so I'm sure Quinn can touch on that. Yeah. So, um, ultimately the evolution in, especially for us in our case is being the youngest integrated into the family business as well. And, and we keep going back to employees as well, because we spend a lot of time with our employees actually 
Um, most of us in the family, we all kind of have our own lane that we stay in, which that's a something we should come back and touch on when we talk about working in a family business. But it's been a balancing act. Um, you know, I went away to school and got a couple degrees, all farm centric. And uh, it, it's been a balancing act of swallowing my ego while trying to push forth with what I've learned and what I, you know, what I observe. Um, it's definitely not always pretty. Uh, we meet every Monday morning. We have our Monday morning meetings and uh, some Sunday nights I lose sleep because I know it's not going to be fun. And, uh, but for the most part, it's, it's a good time. We have fun. We're all, uh, we're all friends here too, not just family, but, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like I've, uh, observed from my dad, for instance, who he grew up on the farm, his whole entire life was spent here. And, uh, you know, I observed when I was coming up into high school and got my license, it was all proud because I wanted to work. I wanted to be a part of it. And then I got smart <laughs> and then I started, started wanting to change things. And, uh, it turned like, it, it, that's just kind of the dynamic I do, we deal with and we accept and we have to work through all together. And we watch the, the old dogs, uh, refuse new tricks and it takes a lot of work and convincing, but, uh, Luckily, we're pretty we're pretty fair and balanced. We have uh, Dale's dad and my dad, so uh, my dad Richie, Richie, and Dale's dad Chip, um, as well as our uncle Cy, um, who are kind of on the older side with our grandfather. Cy being the liaison between the two, he's much younger than uh, my dad and Chippy. And then down to myself, Dale, and Dylan, we're the younger crew. Uh, how old is Dylan now? Dale, he's almost thirty, right? And so I'm I'm the or I'm one of the youngest in the business. I'm 23, almost 24, and uh, so we kind of, we almost always split down the middle based on age and we have to meet at the table and every now and then we need a mediator of sorts, but uh, we figure it out. And uh, luckily for us, I think, uh, I think some of our best moves and best ideas come from the fact that we have uh, us young guys with our, with our new ideas and our high energy and big focus meeting with the older guys who are, uh, who are, you know, they're weathered. They've been there. They've done that. A lot of stuff that we think is new, that's not new to them. And uh, we kind of polish each other's ideas and work and eventually we get a diamond, but sometimes it takes a while to get there. Dad, I'm curious to get your perspective kind of on the the next generation coming into the business. Obviously, Dale Quinn and myself are, you know, the next generation coming in and, and you're the generation watching the next generation come in. So just uh, yeah, your perspective would be great there. Yeah, you know, I I think that's you know having the two generations and the different perspective is what's unique and very valuable for the business. I would say that you know you talk about uh, meeting with the old dogs and Quinn some Sunday nights, not looking forward to that meeting you're going to be having on Monday morning. Um, figuring out how to communicate, we all hear that communicate, communicate, but figuring out how to communicate where 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 you can bring your enthusiasm and your knowledge and your knowledge of new ways of doing things and technology and growth, while at the same time having the old dogs, as you would say, not feel threatened by that. But to, to me, to, to, to have a business where you've got two generations, a younger generation that's, that, that's, that really wants to go and grow and is dynamic, um, if you can find that, that, that mix um, with the generations, that's when you've got a winning formula. So um, I, I, I admire, although my two sons wear me out with their ideas every day, uh, I, I truly love it. I, I, I really do because um, they, they, are, um, they are a much better um, um, view of myself uh, 30, 40 years ago because that's how I was when I came into the business. I, there was never a new idea or a new diversification or a new opportunity that I didn't like. They always didn't work out, but, but they, they, they brought the business forward. So 
you bring a great dynamic to that older generation. Um, and if you can, if you can put that together in a way that it works, now you've got a winning formula. Yeah. Um, and we're getting, I would say we're getting better at that. Um, our business as we have it now, the dynamic we have as we have it now is actually relatively new. Um, it's kind of been a merger of, uh, of the whole family into one. And, uh, you know, that kicked off just about two years ago. And, uh, since then these meetings and these conversations have gotten a lot more comfortable and, uh, it's definitely gone from a, uh, I wouldn't call it a threat or an issue, but from a kind of a headache more definitely towards a strength, um, it's to the point where you, you Brooks, you know what it's like working with a family. So do you, um, it, you can offend people on a personal level. Um, if it's, even if it's just about work and, uh, we've kind of, we've broke that ceiling and now we're all at a point where when we're not at the farm and we're not meeting and working together, we are family and that's it. Whereas we're not in, while we're at the farm working, we, we deal with each other and we work with each other and we eventually come out to an agreement. Um, but that segregation of, a home and work has been important for us to develop. So we can all go to my grandfather's for dinner uh, after we all just about strangle each other all day long and have no, no problems. You know, something I just add is, is that particularly being a family member, um, employees watch you, they watch the younger generation. And, and I think to the extent that, to the extent you can be accountable, not feel entitled and be able to take responsibility for things that go wrong, those employees respect that. And, and, you know, there is, there are so many businesses I've seen where, where the next generation um, is unwilling to take responsibility, feels entitled and doesn't want to be accountable. And so those are some things that really employees and, and frankly, you know, the older family members observe and respect. So that's, that's really important in a family business. Oh, of course. I mean, Dale and I have been at the forefront of that being kind of the younger guys that are really particularly in, um, management roles. Um, we've kind of, I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say, I think we've uh, spearheaded that by showing up first, uh, volunteering to do like jumping right in when there's a speculation on a certain job, maybe it's not so glorious, not so clean, not so fun. Um, we kind of more, more or less to prove ourselves ultimately that, uh, because like you said, like it's, it's such a cliche, that typical snotty younger generation coming in that, uh, that you know, they're just going to, assume that top dog role because that's where daddy's at. And uh, that, that just wouldn't fly with the type of crew we roll with and uh, what we work with on a daily basis. So we've really, uh, I, hopefully I'm not wrong, um, but I think we've uh, gained a lot of, a lot of respect with our employees and the guy, I mean, it's odd, like talking formally like this, we call them employees, but we almost like at the workplace, it's just, it's just the guys, it's the guys we work with. And uh, it, it's just like any other social dynamic. We've had to work really hard for that respect and it gets tested a lot, but uh, we, uh, we've, we always have these conversations with each other about keeping it level, keeping it stoic, uh, being respectful, but not taking any crap ultimately as the younger guys. And uh, I can see it like the change has been pretty drastic over the past year or so with that. And uh, I'm pretty happy with where we're at and I think it gets better every day. Yeah, to touch to touch on that, um, like like Quinn's saying, so if we show up to the barn in the morning and there's a mess, if, if a water tub is leaking or there's something that is not a fun job, we find that if we had if we go in head first, our employees notice that and they're more willing to take initiative and jump in and get their hands dirty. 
if these if guys have see, egos, if, if we, yeah, if if we beat them to it, it attacks that ego and it kicks them in the high gear and, and there's a lot right. of respect again there too. And if they see we're the, the younger generation coming in, if, if they see us do that, um, if they see us do that, they, they're more, I guess it's more motivating. I, I think instead of being a boss, being a leader, um, Quinn, almost once a week, we have a, a manure pump that breaks and Quinn has to go in and get literally up to his waist in cow manure, up to his elbows, fixing a pump. And um, he has no problem doing it. And the employees will go in, help him with it. They'll watch him do it. They're in there cracking jokes with him. So I think that if, if you're willing to show your employee, especially when you're the new generation coming in and this, these employees have been working for my grandfather, um, when they see you, you know, we're quote unquote millennials, but they see us just dive head first into stuff like that. Um, it earns the respect of them. And then it, for us, it also, it motivates them and they're going to help you do the job. So. And what that does sure. is it, and what that does is it, it really forms a culture uh, of the Nelson Dairy Company. And, and I can tell you that the best companies, whether they be Apple or whether they be a small um, family farm in Vermont, the best companies have great cultures and the most successful companies. And so by, by approaching, you know, your work ethic and, and your accountability to the business, it helps build that culture. So um, kudos to you guys. That's, uh, you know, you've, you've got that figured out. Brooks, maybe I'll turn the last question over to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the last question, I definitely wanted to touch on this because I've heard some things that, you know, that the Nelsons have dabbled in outside of dairy farming. I just wanted you to talk about some of the different diversification, you know, avenues you guys have tried taking, maybe what has been successful, what hasn't, and what's on the horizon. So um, we actually have a couple other, uh, we just, we refer to them as sister businesses. But um, so first, I mean, first and foremost, one we're running now is Cowtown Specialty Meats. Um, it's, uh, we call it the meat market. Uh, we actually raise uh, Rocky Mountain Elk and uh, American Bison. Uh, we raise them. We have two areas, one smaller, more for show. Um, another is more so the large site and it's a thousand thousand acre high fence pasture. Um, it features all sorts of land terrain, uh, which is actually pretty, uh, pretty standard for these animals. Uh, bison being out West in the Rockies area. And, uh, we have a similar terrain here, similar weather. And then elk actually native to Vermont once upon a time before settlers on the East coast, pushed them out. Um, so we actually uh, we actually slaughter those and sell the meat through our market, as well as we raise our own Angus cattle. Uh, the Angus raising fits really well into the dairy market. It's actually uh, it's actually pretty uh, pretty useful for us as in terms of uh, reproduction with our cows. So uh, we uh, raise our Angus calves and we sell them as for beef. Uh, we sell them locally mostly, but we also my grandfather built oh in the he's always owned a restaurant or a bar. That's been his one vice to dairy farming. He's always, he's always taken a piece of the pie because he loves having a restaurant or a bar. Uh, I think that's one of his ego things because all of his buddies like it too. But uh, so we have a restaurant called the Cow Palace. It's a steakhouse. So uh, we actually sell all of our elk, bison and beef through the steakhouse. Uh, so they buy no meat, which has been great because it supports the steakhouse. They get a good rate. And then we know that our product, our meat products always have a place to go. Um, we also have a a cropping business called Cowtown Crop Farm. Um, that was started when hemp was going to get everyone rich. Uh, we grew 30 acres of hemp and did not get rich, but we learned. And now we have the business and the equipment to go into any diversified crops, be it vegetable crops, all the way through uh, hemp. And uh, I mean, even the THC market that's on the horizon and coming fast, um, being able to grow 
marijuana for medical or recreational use to sell to uh, to sell to the distributors like that's on the horizon. We have all the equipment and we have the know-how uh, to do that. So we, we kind of keep other lanes open. We're also open. We always, we're always tweaking a business plan to eventually put in a little, uh, a little milk processing plant. So we could do, uh, we could do just straight off the farm milk and we could do cheese. Cheese is kind of the big one around here. The artisan cheese. That's a, that's a huge Vermont thing. Um, that markets well. So that's on the forefront for us. Uh, COVID kind of put the, put the brakes on for all that stuff. We really need to just tighten up and put all of our time and energy into maintaining the farm. Cause I mean, on all the farm is everything we have and everything else comes off of it. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of routes we could go and we're always thinking of new ones and it's fun. Uh, you know, there's seven of us, there's seven owners in our company. So having this much management power, we call it horsepower. Um, we have this much horsepower. It really opens doors to diversification because there's always someone to kind of take up that spot and, make that part of their lane. Yeah. I, uh, so with our diversification, like Quinn said, with seven uh, different owners in the company, when we grew hemp, uh, Quinn's father and my uncle and our uncle Cy, they managed the hemp. We obviously went and helped when we needed to. Um, there was a bubble to make money on the hemp. And, um, you know, at, at one point, almost every farmer in the Northeast kingdom was growing hemp. It was definitely a bubble, but we learned that we knew how to grow hemp. And then like Quinn said, it gave us the confidence that we can do other things other than just grow corn and milk cows. Um, with as far as diversification, I think our ears are always open. We can't control the price of our products. So we have to always be looking for another, another route for another source of income. The meat market has helped with that because the price of milk and the price of beef don't always correlate together. And our meat market, I mean, in our little small town in the Northeast Kingdom, the meat market is thriving. Um, Dylan's wife, Meg, she does most of the management with that as far as the sales, um, as far as just selling to customers. And she is just busy every single day. And, you know, if, if we were to find out that there's a crop that we could grow, that uh, we could grow and, and make so much money that we wouldn't have to grow our own crops for our cat. I mean, there's always we have the equipment to grow stuff. We're constantly keeping our ears open. But with when COVID hit, like Quinn said, we just had to tighten up. Milking cows is our passion and that's what we do best. But as far as sticking to just that, I think we'll always milk cows, but we're hoping in the, in the next five to 10 years from now, we'll be doing so much other stuff that uh, milking cows will just be a piece of the pie. Yeah. And uh, I think diversification is going to be kind of one of the bigger players in this business staying above water and ultimately eventually thriving hopefully like right now can't say we're not but uh i i think diversifying is gonna be the path that allows my kids and their all their cousins and dale's kids eventually to have the option to get in like right now uh with the seven of us family members working the business right now it's a uh, it's about all it can support um so diversifying is going to be really important to expansion. Uh, we're actually amidst the planning and we've been planning for years and we'll continue to plan on how to consolidate. We're actually milking out of three different parlors in three locations, which is one of our hugest strengths because that gives us a large land mass. But uh, we've uh, shifted gears and kind of gotten into bigger equipment, bigger trucks. Uh, we bought tractor trailer trucks for hauling feed around. Um, so the option now is opening up to consolidate as far as the animals go into one central location with a bigger barn and a better parlor. Um, we're working with very old equipment um, as far as our barns and parlors go. It's old facilities, old parlors, and uh, as we 
everything comes down to efficiency, like I mentioned before. So the next step in efficiency, hopefully when this COVID business releases a little bit and the market comes back up, will be consolidation and then better management of the land because it will be more spread out from that central location. But uh, that's kind of our goal pushing forward. And uh, in doing so, the intensity on us as individuals for the farm management and the cow management will decrease a little bit and that'll give us more options to diversify and do a good job. Uh, we found, and I'm sure this is just like any business whatsoever. I actually, I know for a fact it is, you can't, we can't diversify. We can't do a little shoot off the business if we can't do it hundred percent. It's all it turns into is a, uh, it's, it hinders the main business, Nelson Farms. Right. No, Brooks. I uh, as as I was listening, I was getting hungry when I'm listening to the elk and the and the bison. Do you guys mail order, or if not, when you're up in Vermont, you got to bring some back, Brooks? Yeah, absolutely. You know, guys, I'm not to care that's that'd be great. You know, I can't tell you how much we've enjoyed this. You know, living in living in New England, um, we certainly recognize that there there are farms, you know, up in northern New England and Western Mass, but. You know, the farming industry, you know, it's not something you hear a lot about every day. You hear about high tech, you hear about Bitcoin, you hear about uh, uh, electric cars. But the farming industry is so important to this country. And uh, to, to, to hear how you're uh, running your family farm and the technology you've deployed has really been fascinating. Um, the other thing I can say being being the older generation in our business is to is to see your enthusiasm uh, is just infectious. And um, the way you look at um, the way you look at your family uh, business, how proud you are, but also understanding how that golden goose can allow you to diversify into some other things. Um, you're thinking about things in the right way. So I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this, and it was great talking to both of you and learning a whole lot more than I ever knew about farming. Yeah, Dale and Quinn, thank you guys so much. This was awesome. Yeah, I appreciate hey, it. Thanks for having us. I uh, hopefully next time I'll be able to come meet you in person. Would love that. Or I'll come up there. You're more than welcome to. Stay well. Okay. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you.